And welcome, welcome, welcome back to the 40-Yard Line Podcast. Once again, guys, my name is JC Compost, and sitting on my left-hand side is none other than the lovely Evan Richard Veith. Spooky. Yeah, apparently we're doing, according to Evan, uh, a spooky intro for Halloween. Uh, I, it, we're recording this on Halloween, but yeah. no one's going to listen to it in the month of October. <laughs> Correct. I also have no reason to celebrate now, too. Uh, so as we are recording on a Tuesday in October on this 31st of the year of our Lord, 2023, Max Scherzer and Adolis Garcia are now out for the rest of the uh, rest of the World Series. So, uh yeah, I'd be really upset if I supported the Rangers. But that's yeah, just me. well, guys, um, yeah, you guys might get a really, a really golden tangent next week if uh, <laughs> if things don't go the way we need yeah. to. Guys, we got a lot to talk about today. We're gonna circle around the NBA at the very end of our episode. Talk a little about the first week. Talk about, of course, the big news: the James Harden trade. Oh yeah, and uh, how the Spurs don't know how to use Wemby yet because Greg Popovich <laughs> is washed. We'll talk about all. Of <laughs> oh, that. we're really getting into oh, it. Oh, we're getting into it. But of course, we are gonna start with Texas, and also that came out today. Another cool thing is, of course, the College Football Playoff Committee's first. Top is it top ten they drop or yeah, is it I top think, no I think it's a full twenty five. So the it's the college football playoffs first top twenty five. So we can see our first four in and our last two out. We will be giving you a breakdown because we are now in the final stretch of college football. Live reaction. We have not looked at it yet. That is so true. And uh, if you're in the Pac twelve or if you see me, if you're in the Pac twelve or Big Ten, it's about to be a crazy last month of the season. Oh yeah. And I think we're ready to get started, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into BYU. Let's talk Mormons. You yep. ready? Big Utah guy. Well. I don't think our score predictions were that close at all. Uh, I think I, I think <laughs> I said Texas would score less, but I think I had BYU scoring very little as well. You definitely I, had a higher scoring game than I did. I had a much higher scoring yeah. game. I think Texas was still in the 30s for me, though. So I yeah, was like, I think you're closer on the Texas side. But, I mean, where do you want to start with? I mean, overall, I think you could say this is arguably the most boring game you've seen in a long, long time as yeah, a Texas fan. Yeah, it's definitely... It was boring. It was... I felt like no offense or team ever had a rhythm because I always felt like it was either TV timeout an injury or a flag. That's really how I felt yeah. the entire game. There was never a pace to the game. But overall, you can't be upset. The Texas no. defense had a really nice bounce back. I don't care what everyone says that, like, you know, Texas didn't play that well. They still held a team that had a respectable win total. I think it was five, five wins and on two. the season. Five and two team. Five and two team to six points. Not a single touchdown. The defense and special teams had more touchdowns. Yeah, just guys. Just worthy punt return. That's really impressive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our defense, I do think this was the bounce back they needed. I think we mm -hmm. can start there. Yeah, yeah. I think you're seeing them use the zone coverage a lot better for the crossing routes. I think that was a huge, huge yeah. practice point, focal yeah. point after the Houston game. And honestly, if you look at the players like Keaton Slovis and Donovan Smith, they're not that much different when it comes to, like, what they are. It's these old guys who have had to transfer around aren't successful on a rebuilding new team in the Big 12. BYU could have done something similar to what Houston did, but they really kept Slovis in check. Mm -hmm. Receivers were not getting to the middle of the field at all. Nope. There was always a guy there. I think Jade Barron had a crazy, crazy good game. I think he's a, I think he's a Thorpe Award finalist or whatever. He did. Yeah, he the, was uh, announced today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. semifinalist. So w wherever he's there, I mean, very well deserved. Uh, I saw a PFF graded Sweat and Murphy as the two highest rated defensive linemen last week, and you could see it. I mean, Murphy looks like he gets held every play. He rushes the passer, and Sweat is a black hole down there in the on the rushing game. I mean, it's just anything that goes up the middle, he's getting a hand on that player. He's pushing through. That just defensive line is so so talented, mm -hmm. and we really saw the defense just take over this game. I you know I completely agree, and I like what you said about holding because once again this marks I think the fifth straight game. Texas has only gotten I think one holding call yeah. for them. Um, Never yeah. happens. Big 12 refs are not in our favor this year. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like you said, it was a really strong game for all of our team. I would like to officially say something today that I know will be shocked. This will shock you. I would like to make an official apology to one person. I know. It's gonna be and one person on this Texas team. Uh, I've been very critical of you your entire career here at Texas. But after hearing you speak yesterday on KVUE and uh, your Longhorns Media Day, um, I'd like to give an official apology to Michael Taft. <laughs> uh, he has played better this season, especially like, I guess from Baylor, even though he struggled against Baylor, he has, he has gotten progressively better since that moment. And his interception was a very pivotal moment for this Texas team on Saturday. So on, uh, on the behalf of everyone here at the 40 yard line, <laughs> actually just me because I'm the only one who says it, uh, Thank we you, apologize, Michael, Michael Taft. Seemed like a good guy. <clears throat> I missed both times I got the chance to talk to him. I didn't talk to him on Saturday, and then I had to leave Monday for a class right, like right before you went in. Damn. So I missed the Michael Taft moments. Well, hopefully hear, he comes back. Did you hear about the Charles Wright phrase 
apparently, uh, I think it was Christian Jones said if Charles Wright was just like if they had eleven Charles Wrights yeah, on the field, they never I did lose. Do that. Well, they said like he's like the guy who's like staying in forty minutes after. And yeah, I was like, toughest dude out there. That's pretty crazy though. That's sick. That was sick. Yeah, it was Christian Jones that said it. Yeah. yeah. But he also said that about AD Mitchell. Who had another fantastic game for the yeah. Texas Longhorns. I mean, two touchdowns, can't get mad at that. A.D. Mitchell proving you only need three catches to have success. Yeah, exactly. Just like DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins yeah. line. <laughs> I mean, once again, I mean, yes. I mean, A.D. Mitchell really is like a three, four catch a guy type guy for this Texas offense. But if two of those catches are for 50-yard touchdowns, I'm not upset about it. Yeah, I mean, it's always been the the big play, the high success rate plays for him. It's the yeah. getting a first down, get past midfield, getting a big catch, getting a touchdown catch. Mm-hmm. That play that Malik threw to him, it was not – I saw a little bit of critique on it somehow, and I'm like, you know, that's when he had to release the ball, and he got it to the back of the end zone in AD's hands yep. enough where AD can make an uncontested catch, take a little bit of contact, and score the touchdown. And they, they look like they're working well together. We need to see where they get involved, especially downfield in the next game, which we'll talk about a little later. But um, I yeah. liked, um, liked what I saw from JT's hands, at least. He looks – he looks healthy. Yeah. I, I think I think we're gonna start seeing him really. That bye week helped. Yeah, turning yeah. the corner for him. Uh, in general, the team's still very banged up. Catalan, Burke, Ewers, all probably not gonna play on Saturday. Um, in place of Burke, though, Finkley and Tap both played very well. I was wondering if you were gonna talk about Finkley. Very, I was not, wondering about this. Did yeah. not think I would be praising Tap, Jamon Tap, but he had a good game. I think he had a tackle for loss in there, and uh, Finkley was really good off the edge. He played really well, in my opinion. So, shout out to them. I mean, that's just. We've really seen a testament to Sark's recruiting with this defense because players go down, and I think obviously we saw it last week with the cornerbacks and safeties. It got a little bit bad, but there's five safeties that they're playing when everyone's fully healthy. They're getting more and more people involved in the edge rushing game. Jare Bledsoe played a lot. Maurice Blackwell played a lot. There's so much depth in the team, which, I mean, they're – we like to joke between the Daily Texan writers that Sark never uses one word more than versatile. He loves the word versatile. It's a versatile team. It's just everyone's everyone's really versatile. I mean, he's right. It's, it's true. I mean, Justin Finkley was moving off yeah. that line. Looked fast. Looked looks bigger than he did last year for sure. And uh, just happy that he's getting his chance to play. Yeah, I mean, it's time. I mean, he's a red shirt. Or is he, he's a red shirt, correct? I can't remember for I, him, but. I mean, it's time to give love to these young guys. Yeah. I mean, this young core is what's going to lead Texas in the future, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Finkley, and it's going to be Anthony Hill, and it's going to be Malik Muhammad. I mean, yeah. big Manny Muhammad guy you are. Th- this team's impressive, man. Yeah. I mean, even Derek Williams, who I'm not even looking at right now, not even paying attention to, he stepped up when we need him to the most. Yeah, and we we saw this defense cause three turnovers last game, which yep. was really good. Uh, that that last fumble was really just out of nowhere, but yeah, get, getting in the passing lanes, getting some picks, Jody Barrett on the one tip. That got um was it Brooks all the way down to like the ten yard line on the interception something like that yeah um, one thing I will say bringing that up is uh, I think zero for two inside the ten yard line no red zone offense at all it's, yeah let's let's we talked we talked the good let's get to it's, the ugly yeah it's looking bad I mean uh, Sark's got to find a way to work it in the red zone it's been their kryptonite kryptonite all year it looks good within the five yard line with red but you can't do that at the seven yard line mm. you expect to succeed I I don't know what it is I think. JT getting healthier will help, but something's got to give with that. And Brooks is having a little bit of trouble down there. I think that's where he's least successful. And you know, yeah, something's got to change. And to me, that's the crazy thing because I, in the very beginning of the season, if you had asked me if that was the case, I would have said no to heartbeat because of Jonathan Brooks. Mm-hmm. Because originally, before we saw that Jonathan Brooks ended up being a top running back in college football, I had always expected Brooks to take on more of a Roshan role, yeah. play that second fiddle to Cedric Baxter. And he does what Roshan would do. Because Bijan wasn't a big guy like that. Bijan mm, couldn't get it done with a side no. of three. And I thought Brooks was going to be that guy to get it done. But I'm not blaming it completely on the run game. I'm blaming it on the fact that our offensive line is just getting dominated inside yeah. the five-yard line. There's something with the conditioning that's just changed. But People are saying guys, the guys are just too big and lo- athletic. Losing, losing Major's health is definitely hurt, I think. Um, but you got to expect more from Devon Campbell. you got to expect Banks to be moving people more yeah. if they run it to the left. I, it's it's weird. And I like like you said, it's like... Brooks should be that guy. And it looks like he is when it's at the 40-yard line. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, hey. I just feel like he always has a big breakout runs around that area is why I yeah. said that. But it's even if it's a stacked box, he's good against that. His problem is when it's a really just congested area and it's mano e mano getting through. Mm-hmm. And he's having trouble with that, which I, I don't know what's going to give. I'm guessing that's what he's. they're all going to work on this week. And we saw great adjustments this week yeah. between Houston to BYU I think the big ones for me are going to be Murphy and the red zone. I mean, I, th- I think if you ask me, that's our overarching problem right now is it is even, it is the red zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, Texas can move the ball until they get to the 20. And then once you're inside the 20, you get in these 
BS situations we find ourselves time and time and again this entire year against Bama. Uh, pretty sure we had to do against Houston where all of a sudden it's fourth and three and you're trying to go for seven or you're trying to go for just to not score. It's either, you know, it's a seven-point swing now. And Texas really, especially this weekend, we can't be afforded taking seven-point swings. Yeah, it's, yeah. I know it's, what you mean. He, Sark also did not say the most inspiring thing. He said, uh, the University of Texas, they, they didn't hire a book. They hired Steve Sarkeesian. I saw that. To, to yeah. coach this team. And it's, yeah, I mean, he has a better feel for the game than us fans do. He was a quarterback. He's been a coach for a while, coached offense. But sometimes kicking the field goal is good. There's a little, a little too much getting cute with fourth down in the really plus zone, in the, in the red zone that just isn't working. You know, let Burt kick the ball sometimes. Sometimes taking three points. It's taking yeah. the three points isn't bad, and, and these big games coming up is going to be good. We really don't even talked about it, but Malik Murphy made his first career start. And uh, I guess we should talk about touchdown. it, yeah. Um, some ups and downs. They, he wasn't asked to do too much, which is fine, but it was definitely more of a running game, definitely more of a small dump-off game. Had... Uh, some some costly turnovers. The fumble was not fully his fault. A little bit of lack of pocket awareness and interception was despicable. He's so lucky there was that penalty, but that uh, was ugly. that was a, that was ugly. That was no excuse for that. I know he's young, but that is not a, a play any quarterback at any level should be making. But you know what? I'm happy they got out of the way in the first quarter. Yeah, I'm and, happy and he they recovered. He did. He did. I will admit, Malik Murphy did not have a good first quarter by any stretch of the means. However. Texas, for the first time in a long time, had a good first half of football yeah, at DKR. And I think that's something that we're all overlooking. And, you know, if you ask me, if you read to me Malik Murphy, let me read you his stat line, completed 16 of 25 for 170 yards and two touchdowns and one interception, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And I am okay with that. I think that. the fumble sours it a little bit, but yeah. The fumble does sour, and the fumble is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. He did not need to have that happen. Yeah. But... Also, I do understand with him, like people are like, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking to people on the sidelines, I'm talking to people in the stands, and like, why isn't he running? That's and Lee Murphy. Like, one, he's not that fast. Like, yeah. He can move. Like, yes, he could totally truck guys, but do you really want your second string lowering your shoulder? Yeah, and you I'm, have to I'm bring you, you have to yeah. bring in a true freshman. I mean, Sark just doesn't want to get hurt right now. Maybe that's why we're going more conservative play call. Mm-hmm. But when Malik did complete balls for 16 passes. He was averaging a first down. Yeah. That's, he was that's averaging 10.8 yeah. a throw. And I think overall you had to be happy. Like, you know, the stakes were high. Yes, this was a inferior team overall, but this was still a competitive team that forced turnovers. I think Texas finished with three turnovers or two? Uh, I think they had two. Two. There was three for the defense, but don't okay. quote me on that. But, I mean, only two turnovers, which, you know, is obviously you don't want two turnovers, but – you have to be happy with the way they played, and you have to be happy yeah, with the way. Turnovers. Okay, yeah, you have to be happy with the way that the team responded, yeah. and I think the team responded in a very appropriate way to the turnover by giving the ball right back to Malik. And here's the thing: we're seeing a lot of uh, criticism of Sark online. Malik obviously gonna get a little bit, but when it wasn't a, a great, great game, he was fine. But um, you know, pe- a lot of people want Sark to lose the, he- the play calling uh, duties, which I don't think should happen. But you know, raise your hand. But at the end of the day. They're still seven and one, and every game matters. And apart from Oklahoma, for the last minute of the game, they have had every game in control, and they've won all these games. They're so, also one of only three teams in the nation to score thirty points in every single game. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, you know, they can't get to the 40, offense is there, but they get to thirty. And here's all that Murphy needs to do: is you're asking him to come in and be a backup quarterback. All that a backup quarterback needs to do is give his team a chance to win. As long as he is allowing his team to win the game for him, that's fine. Does this team have enough talent to win the game around a quarterback's not great? Of course. 100%. Absolutely. Every single team they have left on the schedule, they can win with a quarterback that's playing adequate. So if Murphy contains the turnovers, is playing fine, lets the playmakers make the plays, the defense is going to do its work, the playmakers are going to do his work. He just (laughs) needs to not mess up. Turn the ball over. And Sark needs to account for that and keep the same play calling that he would with Ewers, but have the shots be limited to high-value situations where second and ones at like the 40-yard line. I, I said it again. Um, he just knows ball, yeah. But it, it's, it's <laughs> not, these, not these first and tens from, the 25, from your own 25 where you throw it deep, it's incomplete, and suddenly he has to work from behind. We need high-success rate plays, a lot of running the ball, and just let Murphy game manage. That's all he needs to do. I agree. And then, in theory, yours is coming back this year, so you don't need him to take a next step. It's I, just, I think in theory, yours is back within the next three games. Yeah, if that's we're being the plan. Real. I so, mean, if you keep announcing week to week, that's different from saying there's no ton table Yeah, return. exactly. Saying week to week is saying a lot to me right now. Mm-hmm. I feel good. Yeah. 
I do feel really good. And for me, this game was a great turning point because it gave the chance for Malik to make his mistakes. Yeah, yeah. It, it gave you the chance to make that, that bad fumble. It gave you the chance to throw a god-awful pick. But it also gave you the chance to make an impressive throw to A.D. Mitchell and to see J.T. Sanders have a circus catch. Yeah, and for Jonathan Brooks to still get his one, basically almost his 100 yards. Mm -hmm, back there. This offense just needs to get, I mean, same thing. You know, we're going to sound repetitive. We've been saying all year. This offense just needs to figure out your red zone offense. It needs to figure out your third down defense, or not even your third down defense, your third down offense, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, defense isn't that third, much third of Third down issue. was better this game. Six for 11. We'll take that. I will say that I think it's time now to start putting more pressure on the offense, especially mm -hmm. if our defense responds accordingly on Saturday against the run game. Well, and it's just they're so close. Is That's what Texas fans have been feeling. They're there. Is, is it's, you, they're getting the yardage. They're get, driving down the field. They're making successful plays. But they can't plays, finish. But... It's just that end zone. It's the red zone in the end zone, and it's if it's not a big play, if it's not a Jonathan Brooks run, if it's not a turnover, it's it's kind of hard to get these points. So, I'm, big problems from the team there. But I it's think close. I think that's where you're honest to God. It's not going to be Malik Murphy's dropping in the pocket and pressure's coming right at him. I think you're going to have to get creative, real creative. And I'm saying you're going to have to use your athletic guys. You're going to have to use your Worthy and your Jonte and your Savion Red. You're going to need all three of the guys on the field at once. And yeah. Jonathan Brooks, and Jatavian Sanders, and Gunnar Helm. Yeah. I mean, you got to get creative. Yeah. You have to get creative with these packages. And Sark, for as creative as he is, I feel like every single time we're in the red zone, and this is a criticism of Sark directly, he is such a creative play caller. But I feel like we see the same three plays every single time that team is with inside the tent. It's an inside zone run up the gut. Yep. And then if not, then it's an outwards pass to where he kind of does a little zig route. And then you do get the pitch every once in a while. The worst is when they go mobile, though. Yeah. Is when they go uh, yeah, mobile yeah. and everyone's like commit to the and run it's or the, throw it's it. It's the one read plays that are killing them. Yeah. I, I wish Whittington would be more involved. He is the biggest receiver on the team. He can box players out. He can also catch like no one else. He has insane hands. Yeah, I, I think he should be the obvious target. Uh, I will say, you know, I mentioned about Worthy, but it's going to be really hard with Murphy at quarterback to have these players put up these insane stat lines. I mean, you know, Mitchell only led the team with receiving with three catches, 60 yards. The most receptions by one play was four. Only five people touched the ball in receiving game this game. It's not game. great. What I do think we're going to see against K-State and what we're going to see if Murphy's still in there for, um, is it Iowa State after? Uh, I think it's TCU, after. it's TCU next. Yeah, and if TCU he's there for that time. is, you know, think about all the names that are probably going to be getting the ball to confuse teams. It's going to be Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, Keelan Robinson, Savion Red. Maybe Jaden Blue with how he played this game, like 11 yards a carry. He looked good. He had. Yeah, he looked yeah. good. Worthy, Whittington. Mm, uh, red. Save you on Red. Yeah, I, I yeah. said Red earlier. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Sanders. And then maybe Helm and Cook in the ball in the hands. That's 9 to 11 guys on the offense that are probably there just to change things up with Murphy. And he's going to have to do a lot of that. I think once Ewers is back, you can start relying back on feeding Worthy, getting Mitchell downfield, getting Sanders and Whittington in the middle of the yeah. field. But. Uh, I think now you need to use that whole personnel group. I agree. As best you can. And, you know, if you want to see a prime example of this, I'm not saying they're the same player, but, I mean, look at what Georgia did this past weekend. After Brock, after Brock Bowers went down with injury, Carson Beck spread the ball to seven different receivers. Lad McConkey, Six catches, 100, 100, what, 10, 15 yards. But six, seven guys caught the ball, and that's all Malik needs to do to be successful mm -hmm. because of those guys you just named, every single one of them would be getting first-team reps if they weren't at Texas. Oh, yeah. For most teams, most offenses in the NFL will find a way to get all those guys involved. So. And that's what we need to do. And that's where we have to call it Steve Sarkeesian. Mm -hmm. And that's how we yeah. feel. Well, I mean, we're kind of already talking about it. But let's jump into let's it. Let's jump into K-State. Before we do. Should I do a buildup of it or what? I do a what? Or should I do a buildup of it or what? Oh, I just have something to say. Oh, um, yeah. He's got something. We, uh, we saw some losses this weekend. <laughs> None more sweet <clears throat> than Oklahoma losing to the Jayhawks. In Kansas, storming the field. Field goal post ended up in the river. Hey, Sooners, look who's ranked higher now. Yeah. 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 It's a worse loss to lose to Kansas than it is to Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma <clears throat> lost to Kansas. My name is Danny Stutzman, <laughs> and I'm going to get an NIL deal talking about Oklahoma fears nobody, only God. Texas fears Oklahoma. They fear Bean. And then Jason Bean. I'm going to barely beat UCF. Barely beat UCF. And then I'm going to lose to Kansas, the same Kansas team with the same quarterback that you made fun of us two years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say, no, penalties just hurt us. It wasn't a natural win. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't Texas lose to you guys because of penalties? Wait, 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 wait. Isn't this exactly what happened to us? Didn't you guys revert back to who you were last year with poor defense? And didn't you guys just lose to Kansas too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shut the hell up. 
Shut the hell up. Nothing made me happier than seeing that team lose. Oh my god, their run defense crumbled. I'm it like, was oh, crazy. I'm like, oh, thank God, BV's back on fraud watch. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I was so. I mean, happy. they're they're hangovering like crazy. Two straight weeks of they got a bye week and then they had two straight games they shouldn't be losing. People are calling Texas their Super Bowl hangover. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. and then I, I don't. I, we're not going to dive into their schedule or anything, but uh, Oklahoma, it's time to wake up because you got your one loss. You lose in Bedlam this week. If you lose in Bedlam, you're then out it's of the playoffs. Texas, OK State. You're probably out of the, yeah. You're out of the uh, Big Twelve because the Big 12 is at a five-way tie right now. Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. These uh, games, I think Iowa State has an extra conference loss right now. No, they're at one loss. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, these two games, Kansas State versus Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, is huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. No, so this be is, watching. This is the weekend for the Big 12. Yeah, this is the weekend for a lot of college football, which we'll get into later. But You know what makes it even awesome, though? What? Brett Yormack was at the Oklahoma game. Oh, he was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you happy now, Brett? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Brett's a commissioner of the Big 12 and an avid Oklahoma, Texas hater. He hates them. So he probably had a great time watching Kansas beat oh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, flipping to a different part of Kansas, to Manhattan, well, they're actually coming to DKR. But we're going to get a Kansas State team who is very similar defensively to Texas. Yep. They are about as good, if not better, in the running defense. They are just one of the strongest run defenses in the country. Really physical team, really good up front, have playmakers in the secondary. You know, shades of what Texas does as well. Good defensive team. They run the ball pretty well on the offensive side. Offense is pretty good. I would say the running game is what carries them a little bit. And the big thing for them that you're going to find really interesting when you watch this game is they use a two-quarterback approach. Will Howard, I think it's his fifth year in college now, has been there. He's been there a while, had had a lot of games. A good quarterback, got injured. Their freshman quarterback, true freshman Avery Johnson, comes in. And I think he was the one that killed TCU. Um, and he, I think he won two games as a starter. They bring back Howard, and Avery Johnson is still on the field. He's doing this Taysom Hill kind of quasi-quarterback running back thing, and he's really talented. He's a big spark plug for them. Something that a team that's not as talented as a team like Texas needs to beat a team like Texas. So be expected of that. It's going to be a lot of running. It's going to be a lot of down-in-the-trenches defense, and I don't think the passing game is going to be crazy, which is kind of what I was going to talk about most with Malik is – He's going to get pressured a lot, and it's really good that BYU was first because he's got a lot coming at him with this Kansas State team, and they are very, very, very good right now. They've won three games. Uh, they're averaging like 38 points a game in these games. Their defense led up three points the last two games. Crazy good team right now. Very scared. Not going to lie. I'm terrified. Yep. I'm terrified. However, this is a very similar team to Texas. They've got their one dominant wide receiver like Xavier Worthy, mm-hmm. and they've got a dominant tight end just like JT Sanders. Their run game is very, very impressive, mm-hmm. but it's because it isn't just one running back. They're using three. Yep. They're using three running backs, and they're using Taysom Hill. They have their little Swiss Army Taysom knife. Guy. The thing that makes me feel okay is that Texas has survived the running quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Rope. I'm not Mil making an excuse for what happened with Dylan Gabriel, and honestly, I'm marking that, that OU game as an asterisk for how our team plays. Because that OU game just wasn't how our team plays. It was yeah, different. it was off. It was, it was off. awful. Um, but we survived Milrow. Mm-hmm. So we know we're able to do it. And we also know that if we're able to put pressure on a running quarterback, they will fall. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think if you put a quarter, if you get a rushing quarterback under pressure, they will not perform to up to expectations, and they will try to rush passes too. And I think that's, what you're gonna, that's your first point of defense. So I think if you want Texas to win today, I'm going to do completely different what I said last week. I said last week with BYU, put three guys on the line. You're going to have to put five guys on the line. You're going to have to put four guys on the line and have like your little like sleeper spy in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think Texas can win this game. Yeah, this is going to be a big sweat Collins-Murphy game, all of them up there. It has, I mean, you're going to get Ethan, Ethan Burke going. I, well, I don't even think he's going to play. Is what Damn. It is, but it's going to be Sorrell, Tap, Finkley. The big thing this game, in my opinion, is going to be the linebackers. Those are the ones that are expected to spy a player like Johnson. They're usually the reads on the read option, at least in the second level. They're going to have to be very disciplined, keep the spy maintained so they can't scramble out, and also just blow up these running games. I mean, this is a team that can move our D-line, but if the linebackers are there to stop it to three-yard gains, you're going to force them to pass eventually, and that's where, you know what? Let's get Brooks making plays. Ryan Watts was back. Oh, my God, he played so well. He did. I was so happy that Watts, he was back. Watts provides so much for that defense, and no yeah. one understands it. He's so, he's so important to that Texas defense. I will say, their passing game does not scare me. Yeah. Their passing game does not scare me. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that, too. I think, I think I have the trust in our, especially now that people are getting healthier like Catalan and Holmes. Mm-hmm. And the all of a sudden, the coming out party of Derek Williams. Yeah. 
So Derek Williams like, is starting to play real well. <laughs> Michael Taff, your boy. Michael Taff. Uh, Muhammad's played exceptionally well these last three weeks, too. Mm-hmm. He especially got a lot of playing time post-A&M, or not post-A&M, post-Alabama. Like, starting in Baylor, that's when I first saw Muhammad for the first time. Yeah. Like, when he had, like, that 16-yard sprints out of nowhere, blows it up in the backfield. That was cool. Like, I feel really good about our safeties and our corners taking these guys on one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too worried about that. It's really going to come down to this run game and how does Texas respond to an RPO? Cause I don't think we've faced too many of those yet. And I don't think yeah. Texas is ready for an RPO. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was Milrow and, and Gabriel and Milrow. We contained Gabriel. Give us some fits. Yeah. You're going to have to expect a lot of that. I mean, there's, you just have to make your adjustments in the locker room too. Mm-hmm. And you got to see what's going on. The thing, the biggest thing that's going to come down is going to be what we just talked about. The issue is for me personally, I want to hear what your biggest thing is for us to win. But it's going to have to be Texas winning in the trenches. Yeah. Um, just like it was against Alabama. Just like we had to for almost every game this season. Um, <laughs> it's going to come down to the Texas offensive line. Are they going to be able to create that space for Jonathan Brooks? Because if Brooks can't get, run, can't get going, I don't think I have the confidence in Malik to say you have to throw 30 passes this game. Yes. And yeah, you have yeah. to put up 30 points with one turnover. I completely agree with you. It's, it's, it's going to have trenches. to be the run. It's, it's the run. Brooks has yet to carry the ball more than 22 times in the game. They've been keeping in between. He had 16 last week, which is low <clears> because it, you know, he got subbed out. Been between 18 to 22 for his you know five most regular regular That's games. That's not bad, though. That's and, still a good amount of touches. But I think we're going to have to expect him to get 25 and say, hey, Jonathan, you, well, you've been touted for your stamina. You are going to have to take hits. You're going to have to get four yards, five yards. It's not going to happen as explosive. But when we do get that explosive run, be ready. Like it's, it well, might have to happen in the fourth quarter. It makes you been. wonder if that explosive run is going to come from Jaden Blue. Yeah, maybe it's Blue. Maybe Blue, it's Baxter. Blue showed that burst, too. It makes you wonder if Texas is Texas going to be rotating three backs on Saturday. Yeah, very good point. I I, I, I mean, you could make an argument they're be rotating five if you're counting Keelan and Savion Red. Yeah, Keelan true. and Red, Red are more like weapons, but... It's, it's big on that. I do think Malik, we talked about a little bit what he has to do. Again, just give them a chance to win. When you need to throw on third down, make the throws. You don't have to expect him to throw it every time. If we get good run and a lot of chunk on the runs, then you know what? Then you can air the bar, ball out. I, I think but. it's time to see what we used to see last year with Classics Arc. Where we used to criticize him back when Quinn was still starting. I think this has got to be a Jordan Winnington game. Yeah, feed Jay Witt. I think this has got to be your Jay Witt's going in and in or out mm-hmm. for these eight-yard drags, these 13-yard yes. yeah, drags, yeah. these 13-yard corners. I think it's got to be a J-Witt-JT game. We're with, winning in with the middle. Sanders, those kind of guys. I, I agree with you. We have to win in the middle. It's, we're not going to win on the outside. And Sark loves to talk about being <clears throat> able to run when the team knows you're running. It's got to be being able to pass when the team knows you're passing. It's how is Murphy responding to a four-man rush? Third and six. How is the, how is the O-line responding to a four-man rush? Are they giving him enough time, and is he making the right throws? Because – once it's there, once it's seven seven uh, defensive backs versus four receivers, it's just about finding the right little pocket. And if he can hit that, dude, Texas is fine. They can get these drives moving. Do they do they do zone as well? I'm not sure exactly about their scheme, but okay. you know, in theory, third downs it's harder to get man to work just because you're going to have more people out there. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's going to be a lot more shaded zones. They're not going to have to worry about Murphy running, so they can drop more people back. It's it's definitely I agree with you in the trenches, but what it will come down to is Malik Murphy playing at Will Howard's level and just meeting that. Because Will Howard's not going to give you what Dylan Gabriel gave you. Not even really what Milrow could give you. Howard's probably sitting at fourth best quarterback in the Big 12 around that area. You know, when Daniels is fully healthy, he's in the top three. I'd say maybe like closer to like comparable to like uh, a Texas Tech's quarterback too. Uh, show, show, Tyler show, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of on level. that level, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not someone you have to outduel. This is not going to be a, a throwing the ball fifty times. You're playing LSU. It's the trenches. It's getting the running game involved. Both sides of the ball, just how important it is. And I, I will. I'm very excited for this game because I think it's going to be one where it's going to be back and forth, which you haven't seen much from Texas games. Mm-mm. It was OU, and then most games Texas is in is decided by seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. So. Yeah, um, interesting to see how this plays out in the last two minutes. And I think it's going to be a close game, and we'll get into that later. But uh, I think it's going to be a game they're going to win in the last two minutes of the game. I, I completely agree. And K-State, just to let you know, does boast the 23rd best rushing defense, and we boast Makes the sense. 14th best. Makes sense. It's coming down to literally .4. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a big difference. It really, it really is not. And um, they've had just about the same amount of touches, too. Uh, you could argue that Texas faced harder competition. You could make that argument. But also, when it really comes down to it, 
with the exception of last year, K-State has given Texas a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah, K-State's given us a lot of problems. Uh, who was their quarterback last year? Oh, it was uh, Martinez. Uh, Adrian Nebraska. Martinez. Adrian Martinez, yeah. Thank Nebraska. God he's gone. Uh, yeah, he, used yeah. Give, he used to give us problems. Their running backs used to give us problems. Deuce Vaughn, I'm also very fortunate he's not there anymore either. But last year, it took Quinn Ewers having arguably his top two games at the time as a Texas quarterback to overcome and beat K-State. And Quinn had to step up and make big-time throws for the first time all season. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to have to come down with Malik. And Can I, you one, make the big-time throw? One thing I want to note about K-State's play style is when they played against uh, like the three teams since their Texas Tech loss four mm-hmm. weeks ago, they've had the ball for 32 minutes, 34 minutes, 38 minutes. They They're control the ground ball, and, pound you. and they ground and pound, but you got to take them out of that rhythm and just letting them move forward, take up clock, keep going. It's disrupting, it's turnovers, it's sacks, it's these havoc plays that are really important because Texas beat BYU while being killed on possession, yeah. right? Houston had more possession than Texas. Texas can win if the team has the ball more. It's about not letting them have it for a vast majority of the time. But also when we win comfortably, it's when we do outpossess Yes, of course, yeah. But I don't think it's going to be a comfortable win, if I'm being honest. I'm uh, down again to score predictions if you are. I am. I will say the one thing you forgot, though, tackles for loss. Yeah. Nobody blows at the backfield like Texas. That is true. Nobody it's, blows it's, at the backfield like Texas. And I'm very curious to see how their running back plays because I think we have an idea about how we're going to see Jonathan Brooks. He's a good player. He's going to play well. I don't think he's going to get stuff to the line, but DJ Giddens is their guy yeah. who's their main rusher. You know, They do have a bit of a committee, but he's been very good for them recently, but has had his games where he's kind of fallen out of it. Against Texas Tech when they lost, he only had 53 yards. So it's important that if they can stop him early – Get them passing. Just get them out of rhythm. Of the game. You're out of the rhythm. Texas is feeling comfortable. So once it's there, it's just about leaving turnovers and penalties, and then they can win the game. So I like it's, it. It's very cliche to say, but have more successful defensive plays, turn the ball over less, commit less penalties, you're probably going to win the game. It's the old adage, but it, it needs yeah. to work now. And uh, I think it's going to have to be a classic game, but it's also going to be we're going to need three or four Sark plays to separate us. He's going to keep that yeah. in his bag. Yeah, have some bag plays for and sure. He's going to have to put that trust in Malik, too, that he's got to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think he can make those throws. I think he can. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm excited for Malik. Let's do some score All predictions. Right. Score prediction, team MVP. Okay, uh, team MVP, I'm going to go with Malik Murphy. I'm going to say that uh, this is going to be the most important game of Texas season, which I know I feel like we, I've said a we lot say it this three year. three times already. But, but this, is, this really is it. The most important game is always the next game. So true. So true. I mean, you got to – I mean, Malik, I'm not expecting a huge day from him, but I think Malik Murphy needs to complete 18 to 25 passes, 19 to 25, 26 passes, something like that, for 273 yards and three touchdowns. Damn. And I think two of those touchdowns, have to come in the red zone. Yeah, that, that's the big one. It's I think, not gonna be it's not gonna be the fifty yarders. I think if Texas wants to win, they gotta take the ball to Brooks's hand inside the five and they gotta say, Malik, we're trusting you to go get it and make a smart decision. You're gonna find someone in the back of the end zone or you're gonna hit that slant like we practiced all week. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say that Texas is gonna have to use Malik in those crunch moments and he's gonna show why he was so highly recruited. He's gonna show why he survived the Quinn Ewers transfer and the arch commitment. Yeah. I feel good. Actually, that's a lie. I don't feel good. I'm terrified for this one. But I think Texas will be able to pull it out because it is a home game. Because DKR has proven to be one of the most electric places in sports right now. Mm-hmm. And I think these fans are going to show up. 11 a.m. kick. <clears throat> it's going to be rough. Yeah, I think i got to be at the stadium at 5. Um, I've got Texas winning in a pretty like knockout punch game back and forth by a score of 31-28. 31-28? Yeah. I am going to go for, in a very similar vein, you know, it's you can't predict Texas under 30, but you can't pick, predict Texas over 40. That's how it is. 35-27 Texas. Okay. Close game. You know, Kansas State's going to mess up a little bit at the end, and Texas is going to take it, out-duel them. I think the team MVP is going to be Jalen Ford. That's what I'm throwing out there. You're talking about a couple tackles for loss. Talking about some tackles for loss. Okay. A, a big, big play. I think we're going to see him make – like the play of the game, you know what I mean? So, it's got to come from somewhere. I, I'm a I'm a big old Jalen Ford fan, Depoy, that guy. Uh, yeah. I mean, as long as Michael Tapp doesn't disappoint me, I don't care. <laughs> well, on that note, we talked a lot today. Yeah, we did. We talked we, a we lot of Texas. I'm actually surprised how much we dove into it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think that was it, but um, I think before we go ahead and start on college football playoff, I think it's time for a quick little ad break. So just remember, guys, that uh, of course. 
Uh, we are sponsored by Populous Fantasy Basketball. Populous, download in the App Store today. Change the way you play fantasy basketball. Make your fantasy a reality, I believe is our new coin we're, to- yep, we're yep. taking right now. Uh, guys, check out all the new features they have in the app. We will be rolling out our rookie class for Populous within the next couple weeks on the app, so keep an eye out for that. And of course, make sure to check out our other show, which is done with our close friends and our first ever big time interview. Uh, Miss Kelly Pash and Erica Sullivan. Make sure to give some love to Off the Deep End. Check them out on Spotify. Check out the 512 Media. We're doing a lot of cool stuff, guys, and we're ready to unveil a lot of real cool shows for y'all. But for now, you guys get us, and you got on the Off the Deep End. You got us. Uh, I think with that being said, I think it's time that we... Um, Do some live reactions. Yeah, let's get it. Yeah. College football playoff ranking has dropped. It's a full top 25. We really only care about the top 10 to 13, which is the I'm ones gonna we're going to I'm going to say 11. Um, let's do 11. Number one, Ohio State comes in at number one. What the f***? Actually? See, actually, the reason I had a feeling wait. this would happen because they've gotten their wins out of the way. They've huh. beaten Wisconsin. They beat Notre Dame. Or yeah. Sorry, Penn State, Notre Dame. Both top 15 teams. Yep. So. Wow. It kind of makes sense. It's, you know. Wow. And also, they're, they're very unlikely to get dethroned until Michigan. Yeah. So that's, you know, these guys want continuity. Same with Georgia being number one in the AP poll for so long. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm completely shocked, actually. But you also got to remember, the playoff is only this year. Excuse me. <coughs> Coughing. There you go. Yeah. You need water? Oh, yeah, I actually do. All um, right. I got you. I got you. Only this year. <laughs> you start yapping while I... All right. Uh, Evan's going to record. Well, I don't know what he meant by this year, but... um. Yeah, that shocked me, guys, because if anything, you know, I thought that eventually Ohio State was going to be the one to get knocked out because of I do think Michigan will take them for the third year in a row in the game. Yeah. I do think it's going to happen. Um, I know, obviously, there's still all this talk, you know, about sign stealing and things like that <laughs> with Michigan, but I don't really think that's important for this season. I do think that's going to be an offseason thing we can address. I'd say right now, though, that I think Michigan's more complete because of how dominant Michigan has been. Yeah. Have they faced the same level of competition? Well, no, but neither has Georgia. And we kept Georgia as number one for the last 40 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm shocked. Yeah, quite I, quite I frankly, think, I can't believe Ohio State's won. I'm, I think I'm it's shocked. just from this eight-game sample size, Ohio State has been better than these teams, I Yeah, but guess. Notre Dame's fraudulent. They always have been. We always knew that. Yeah, wow. Number two is Georgia. Checks out. That's fine. Making yeah. it there. Um, number three, Michigan. Okay. I think the top three makes sense to me. I'm, That's about where I thought it would be. No, not exactly the rankings itself. I, I I see what you mean about Ohio State number one, but I think those were going to be the three teams that were there. I would have done. I would have switched three and one. To be quite honest with you, really, you'd have Michigan number one. I would put Michigan one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. <laughs> which, if I'm correct, means we've got the ACC at four. Florida State's at four. Yeah, that's what I thought. That makes sense. Good win over LSU, who's proving to be one of the best offenses. Uh, they got a Heisman candidate. Uh, yeah, Heisman yeah. candidate. Number five, very much because of their most recent performances, Washington. Yeah. Sitting there, first one out right now, if it happened. Makes sense. I think that's fair. That puts the six at Oregon? Six is Oregon. Yeah. Let's go. Six is Oregon. Let's go. Uh, probably the best you know, non-conference schedule, or, or the best one-loss schedule and of course, number seven is going to be Texas. Checks out. Yeah. Checks out. If you're looking at this compared to the AP top 25, only changes has been Ohio State's jumped ahead of Michigan and Georgia. Everything else is about the same. To be fair, the AP journals are kind of morons. So I'm cool with you this. You're the guy who forgot to add Louisville. I he just forgot that. to add Louisville. That's so awesome. Um, That's so awesome. Number eight, staying a little bit of continuity here. Alabama, very similar to, Al- to Texas and Oregon. That's massive for us. You know. Lost to a big team. That's massive for us. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I think people know Alabama's a good team. But they just don't they admit it. Don't, they, not, not trying to admit it. Wait, uh, Alabama's eight? Yeah. I mean, they've they've won every game since they beat us or that's, they lost to us. So. That's huge for us. Yeah. That's huge. Okay, cool. Number nine, where it differs from the AP pool. AP pool has Penn State at number nine. Oklahoma's at number nine. I think that makes sense. They're giving love to them. They're yeah. giving love to their they, defense. They beat yeah. Texas, you know. They, yeah, uh, they deserve it. Yeah. Number 10. This is going to surprise you, Ole Miss. Oh, one loss, Ole Miss. Really? Yeah. What I mean, the hell? <laughs> if you look at what Ole Miss has done this year, they, Wait. Beat, they beat Tulane. Who Tulane? That's I think their only loss. I think like twenty four or something like that. Yeah, they're twenty four. Alabama, they lost to, but it's Alabama, and then yeah. they've undefeated in SEC play, including beating LSU in a shootout. They have two ranked wins. Their only losses to a team ahead of them. You know, I see it. They're very quiet, but 
they have a chance. They're going to play Georgia, and we'll, that, we'll talk a little bit about that's, that kind of stuff. That's a sneaky, quiet team. Yeah. That's a sneaky, quiet team. Number 11 is Penn State. I don't think the, I don't think the CFP polls have any faith in Penn State, it seems like. I I do. I mean, I've read all the articles that say out of the three, it's always Penn State's been the weakest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's proven to be the case. Yeah, yeah, and then 12 and 13, it's kind of processed by elimination. The only one last team is left in the Power 5, Missouri and Louisville. Very off chance. Could happen. You know, if they went out, they're pro- they could be in, but it's unlikely. Um, and then it gets to LSU, when Notre is, Dame, Oregon When does Louisville play Florida State? That's what I'm Louisville and Florida State, I don't think play, actually. Would it have to be an ACC championship? It would have to be an ACC championship game. Louisville actually has a bit of a road where they're hosting their next four games, uh, or their next three games, okay. or three of their next four. I'm, I messed it up. No, you're they're good. They're going to Miami, second last game of the year. If they win that, they will be in the ACC championship. It's not easy to go into Miami because Miami is probably a top – 25 to 30 team in the in the country. They have mental errors, but at home, they could beat Louisville. If not, Louisville has a game to play for the playoff. That's it, lit. There's a chance. That's lit. So that's where it's standing. Every other team, the next team is, is Notre Dame and LSU. Ah, we Those teams, ah, we they, they won't make it. So um, I'm so going to talk a little bit about let's dive into scheduling. It. Yeah. 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 We got some college balls really ramping up. It, whenever that first poll comes out, you know it's kind, kind of starting to get real. Oh, yeah. This week, we got some games. Washington at USC could be the first loss for Washington. I know where a lot of people nope. are down on USC. No, nope. no. But this is the thing. You're wrong. You're, no, you're, you're wrong. Over, you're overcorrecting yourself. Okay, talk to me. That, this is what I'm saying. Is talk to me. When teams like USC, who you want to lose, who you want to be right about being bad. Okay, yes, this is true. I do. It's the same thing with teams like LSU this year. It's you want them to be bad. And so then they are. They, they fulfill your thing. It's still a top 25 team at home. It's still Caleb Williams. Yeah, this is when I, you know, the, the but Caleb Williams they struggled against Cal this weekend too. Yeah, USC but, still struggled. But also, against Cal. I mean, think about what Lincoln Riley's telling his team: this is your guys' chance. Like they weren't they weren't as pumped to play Cal as they were to host Washington. Yeah, but it's not like I mean, to be quite frank with you, it's not like USC really has much to play for at this point. Like they're playing for pride. They can they can still make and a they're a playing pack, they're playing to they screw the Pac twelve make a Pac twelve championship if they beat Washington. But it has to start today. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's you're at home. This is your chance. If there's ever a time for USC's fans to show up all 20 of them <laughs> all 25 yeah come to the road the, the that game but yeah yeah that game is interesting at the very least and, and very high watchability fun game a lot of offense okay N- this week as well missouri's at georgia which this one's huge this, this one is now. where we're gonna start to test georgia it's hey they have missouri then they'll have ole miss or then they'll tennessee. Have tennessee and then ole miss i believe is how it goes that's, um, that's three games. Three tough games. Highly to lose. Not highly, but those are three games you can lose. You know, you're hosting Missouri. You can probably win that game, but Missouri game fits last year with a much worse team. So Is that Ole Miss game away? Because uh, Ole, Miss, Ole Miss kind of turns yes, up. Yes, it is away. Ole Miss kind of turns it's, up. It's Lane Kiffin at home. Um, and this week, one more is Alabama versus LSU. Top 15 matchup. So fun game. going to be really so fun. for that game. Uh, and that could derail Alabama's season. Could put LSU in the SEC championship game if they win that and win out. So that's going to be interesting for LSU. They're not a playoff team. They could win the SEC, kind of how K-State did in the Big 12 last year. Be a, be a sixth seed heading into Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then New I, I just want to say Notre Dame and Clemson play this week. I just want to put that in. Who cares? Why? <laughs> those teams are so funny that they're not good. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And then in two weeks, Michigan at or is facing Penn State at yep. home. Yep. And Penn State, I know we're liking to dog on, and we'll get into this a little later, my opinions on them, but it's Penn State at home. It's it's Death Valley. It's is that white out? White out. That's sick. It's going to be the best crowd in college I football. Hope th- I hope they rip J.J. McCarthy. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then, Sorry, Mama B. <laughs> and that same week, Georgia goes to Ole Miss. So that is two top three teams going on the road to a top 12 team. Yeah. I and mean, I think it's to be honest. This is what I mean. This is what you and I have talked about off off camera. This is what you and I have talked about all year. Is that all Texas needs to do is their job. Yeah, and everything's gonna work itself out. I mean, the Pac-12. You talked about Washington. It doesn't get any easier for Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oregon still has. To, I'm gonna look up their schedule right now. Oregon's schedule does not get easier. It does get boost, boosted a little bit by Oklahoma State beginning to or Oregon State beginning to struggle now. But look, I mean, coming up, they've got Cal whatever but they've got usc still and they've got oregon state that's mm-hmm. two ranked opponents left yeah and i think like, they have it easier than washington i would i would, I make would the, say yeah. they might end up being favored over washington but at the end of the year just because they're they're finishing off easier do you do you really know what i like i think though what i think that in you know in 10 weeks whatever when we're sitting here i do think oregon's going to be that seed really i don't so think it's you, be in washington 
uh, you know, I'm starting to just get less confident since they've won. I know it's crazy, but I think that it comes down to kind of like an OU type thing. It's, I think mm-hmm. you said it perfectly two weeks ago. You put these two teams in a neutral steel zone stadium. It's 50-50, it's 50-50 who's 50 winning. Again. You might even favor Texas. You might even favor Oregon. I think if or- I mean Oregon, if you look back, what messed them up? Going in for fourth and goal when you're heading to the locker room. Mm-hmm. You were going to get your ball back. You know that. But you could have been going back down. Like, I think it was like you could have gone in the locker room down four instead of down seven. That gave Washington momentum. Then you tried to get on another fourth down play. And then you just gave a monster once-in-a-lifetime catch to a Washington receiver. Hey, you know, if that game's playing in Eugene, they, they probably win. They win. Yeah. They do. So... That's why you really can't rank them so far behind Washington. You know, Washington has that win. They're ahead of them. Oregon deserves to be ahead of Texas, and I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been saying this on the podcast all year. I could care less where Texas is uh, put because Texas just has a magic number. Win, and you're good. So, I mean, with Washington, though, I mean, like you said, you got USC. But you finish out with three ranked wins and a very competitive Wazoo State. Yeah, and it's the Apple Cup. They're going to play up. This is is their last one, right? Or is... Washington heading way later. Uh, I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, But I mean, like, this is three ranked wins, or this is three ranked games. Until FSU won't face really anyone until they get to the championship game. Ohio State doesn't face anyone until Michigan. Those two teams are staying in the top four. But we could see Michigan, Georgia, UW all losing games. I do think, though, that if Alabama beats LSU, that in turn is going to indirectly hurt FSU. Because you could also yeah, say that, I do you mean, could yeah. say that FSU is like one of the the most notable, notable win is LSU. Mm-hmm. So in turn, it's like if Alabama does that, it's going to hurt the other teams indirectly. But I will say FSU, be, if FSU wins out this year, they're in. They're in. I think that's well, just how it should be. be. It's you a know. power five conference. Power five undefeated. But how many of these teams are going to be undefeated? But you have to win your title. Mm-hmm. You have to win your yes, title. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 100%. And technically, Louisville, Ole Miss, Missouri are all still in it, which it probably not. But like... It's interesting that these teams are playing very pivotal matchups pretty soon, and yeah. they're they're all oh. in the mix. Oh, what's up? Oh. oh, we got some Rangers news. Oh, we got some Rangers news. Oh my goodness! Uh oh, wow! Corey Seager hitting a two-two run bomb, Simeon triple to left, Tavares and Janikowski got on, and Junk scored on a wild pitch. Wow. Young scored five on five runs in the second inning. On four hits. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Sorry, guys. <laughs> guys, I'm really excited. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I got distracted. All right, but. Let's, we're, we're going to get this last bit done. Just want your, your opinion. Of the top five teams, who's your most overrated? Of the bottom five that are still in contention, who are you most interested in? I'm saying no, no Oregon, no Texas. The other teams, who you think is the best? Okay. Who, who, are, you, who are you looking out for? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Well, guys, I'm not going to lie. I know ball. Uh, so what I say right now is going to be true 10 weeks from now. And even if it's not, I'm still going to say it is. Uh... <laughs> Always humble. You're always humble. Always humble. Always the humble one. Let's see here. Let's get a little look-see. I think... So what do you want to get? I'm so sorry. Your top, in your top five, who's... Ignoring my first two out. Yeah, ignoring my first two out. Who, who, yeah. who is, out of, besides Oregon and Texas, which we're kind of saying is around the same team, yeah. who in the top five are you saying is overrated, won't be there? Who in the bottom five has that chance to get there? I think because they haven't faced actual... I just... I'm kind of putting Florida State on fraud watch. Yeah, you've been doing it all year. I have. I have. And, you know, you've gone against me all year. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about this. I'm I'm a little anti-Florida State boy. I think the big I'm thing is they, bro. Could yeah. make it, they could make it, but then get killed. And that's the thing, and that's why I hate it. That's why I'm happy we're going on a 12-team format, because that's like why I used to have like teams like Notre Dame that would sneak in there. You know, it, it it's... It comes down to me, to a lot of this comes down to what your ranked wins are mm-hmm. by how much and what environment you were playing in. Yeah. That's what matters a lot to me when I'm looking at these teams. I'm thinking Oregon State's going to sneak in. Oregon State? No, I'm not sorry. Oregon State, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think we're looking at Michigan and Ohio State. One of them is going to kill the other. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia, unless Alabama or potentially LSU beats them in the SEC championship. Yeah, I don't think there's any way we don't not see Georgia in the, in the playoff, though. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia mm-hmm. absolutely scenario is a four. A four. But <clears throat> I'm going to be really real with you. I think Alabama's a sneaky team to get into still. Yeah, Alabama's definitely. not by any means the imagination. It's, it would be done. the most Alabama way to do it. Just quietly sneak in. And you and know, win, and win a game. <laughs> and they're going to barely beat LSU, but then they're going to win in the, or in the SEC championship by 20. Yeah, you're calling that? It would just be a very Alabama way to do it. It would. It would. I agree with you. I think we're not paying enough attention to Alabama. And honestly, I'm going to I'm gonna call myself out. I'm not paying attention enough to Louisville either. 
I, uh, they I, have some guys. They got yeah. some dudes. I got to give some love to Louisville. And then, you, like we said, it's beat Miami away, and you're in that championship game. And who knows what will happen once you're there. And also, we're going to be real. Miami's not a threat in a, in a home environment either. But no, it's not the same as going to Penn State. It's different. And it's that's different. why, for my answers, I've already been kind of talking about it. I think UW is my odd team out okay. of this, uh, okay. of Washington. I just don't think with this three ranked team schedule ahead of them, they're surviving. I it. think we're on the same schedule. I think we're I, on the same same kind of level. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're going to be behind Oregon in the way you're saying it. I think there's still a chance that Pac-12 does not have a representative. I think they're going to be the one that that's malarkey. That, that cancels each other out. I think we're going to see Michigan, Georgia, Big Twelve, and then they're going to try to sneak in another SEC I, or Big Ten. Team. I still think Big Twelve's odd man out right now. Yeah. Okay. I I, could, I, I think we're going to see a Big Twelve team. God, I hope so. And then God, I hope my so. team at a, my team that you are very down on. And in general, people are down on, and I don't think it's likely. I don't think anyone from nine to thir- thirteen is likely. Yeah, dude, I, Penn State is gonna play Michigan at home, and that's no one else. So, yeah. if if they're going in, I don't know how the rankings would work if Ohio State loses to Michigan, but Penn State beat Michigan, but. Ohio State beat Penn State. I don't know how that works out with the conference championship game. And Ohio State beat Penn State pretty easily. But too. whichever one of those t- three teams makes the conference championship game is going to win. In theory, they will win. Is it it's so? Gonna, it's going to be Wisconsin or Iowa who they play. That's who it is, right? So okay, I couldn't remember. It's not like they're going to face anyone tough. So Penn State just needs to beat Michigan. And it's not out of the question to say that they could beat Michigan when they're at home. It probably comes down to point differential at that yeah. point. Yeah. So I don't exactly know how it goes, but if whatever scenario that gets Penn State beating Michigan and in the championship game, then they're a one-loss Big Ten champion. You do realize, though, that if Penn State beats Michigan, they're out of the college football playoff, right? Who, Michigan? Yeah. I don't want this to happen. But it could. I'm just saying it okay. could. Okay, okay. Uh, I like that. Yeah. And also, I, I mean, I'd rather Penn State than a lot of these teams. I I got into Penn State. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's, well, not, it's not like I go to school. We're on the Penn State um, train then. All right. James yeah, I just, think, I just think it can happen, and people aren't giving them enough credit for it being able to happen. I think you're right. And I honest to God, I think it's because that performance against Ohio State two weeks ago, that's what killed my opinion about mm-hmm. Penn State. Because I expected lost, a lot more. They lost by six points, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't like they got killed. So they could but have it, very easily but won you know what I mean? It feels like they got mm. killed. It yeah, because like they their killed. offense played terribly, but their yeah. defense is crazy. It's rock solid. It's top five in the nation. So yeah. it's, you know, Drew Alar starts hitting a little bit. Their really good running game starts picking it up a little bit. Who knows what can happen? Yeah. Well, also, before we transition out, yeah. Glass battle of the bedlam for a long time. Watch out for yeah. Oklahoma to be on high upset or this weekend. Alert. And if it happens, who knows what the Big 12 title game is going to be? It would probably be Oklahoma State in the winner of this game that Texas is playing. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Texas, this is as big as it gets. Yep. But uh, <laughs> go Cowboys. <laughs> I'm pulling for the Cowboys this weekend. Yeah, I think we're good on college football. Yeah, I think we'll do a little short thing about the rest of the world. Yeah. You got any, got any opinions about this week? Because there's been a lot mm. of sports news. A lot of sports news, guys. It's really nice to be back in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're yeah. really back into the like, Equinox our hit. prime. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're back. We're cooking. We're better than ever. Um, really, the only notable thing did they call it back? Oh no, we're good. Okay, <laughs> no, the only the only notable thing you can talk about really right now going on in the sports world is of course the NBA. Uh, NFL had their trade deadline today. Yep. Um, Not much. Give some big love though to Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Josh Dobbs. The I take over. Really do hope this isn't the end of his career. Yeah. I've really started to like the guy. I could, I could see a world. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I think at this point this might be this might be current call for Kirk. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't like that. No, no, no. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Vikings trading for Josh Dobbs, uh, the Cardinals quarterback. Uh, which to me, I don't know how you interpret that, but that means the Vikings aren't ready to blow it up. No, that means not. we're going to lock Justin Jefferson into a long-term contract. Which we're going to have no matter what. a decent quarterback, and we're going to find a new quarterback in the offseason. And it's not going to be through the draft. They're finding a quarterback in the offseason through the NFL. And Josh Dobbs has been consistently healthy and like the 20th best quarterback. And 20th average. And 24th. Yeah. He's average. And you know what? There's That last playoff spot is really open in the NFC. Yeah, After the Seahawks and the – or I'm mean, technically the 49ers right now. After that and the Cowboys, it's like the Saints. They suck. Uh, we blow. The commanders yeah. are not getting there. It's not going to be the Packers. It's uh, it's just a bunch of meh. Yeah. So uh, get, co- sneak into that spot. Commanders Ooh. officially committed to the blow-up today. Yeah, trading both defensive ends on an already awful uh, defense. Their defense line was good, but everything else sucked. Yeah. Chase Young is a 49er. Him and Bosa back connected. It's ridiculous. Crazy D-line ridiculous. they have. Armstead and Hargrave. 
what a what a t- what a defense they've assembled. It's all about Brock. And we haven't talked a lot about the NFL this year, but God, what the hell happened to Brock Purdy, man? Yeah, three the, weeks not looking good. Last it's three. it's hurting. He's looking like Mister Irrelevant right now. And uh, no I've Devo, no Trent, no no win. I've still got a lot of faith in the Niners. I'm gonna give some quick love though to Re- to my friend Reese. You know Reese. Mm, yeah, yeah. Give some quick love. I ran to Reese today. Guys, I went on a three mile run today. Yeah, <laughs> ran into Reese on the way back. And we were talking a lot because he's a Seahawks fan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, he's like, the Vikings are getting the one seed. And I'm like, how so? Or not the Vikings, the Lions. He's like, the oh, Lions yeah. are getting the one seed. I'm like, how do you mean that? Explain. And he said, it's because the NFC West and the NFC East are playing each other this year. And so it's because they're each playing each other, they're, they're each just going to keep taking shots. So the Seahawks, they go Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers in a four-week stretch. That's crazy. And he's like, these teams are just going to kill each other. The Lions are only ever had to face the the – Seahawks is the hardest thing the Lions are going to see this season. Yeah, I mean, so he's just, like, I'm putting Detroit as a sneaky team to get to the one seed this year and the first round by. I mean, they're looking good. I, I six and two. They, they got Donovan Peoples Jones, Jameer Gibbs. Char- they finally unlocked. I mean, the, their schedule: Chargers not playing well. Nope. Bears, Packers wins. Saints, sorry, win. <laughs> Bears, yeah. Bears, Broncos win. Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Is how you finish the year? That's Cowboys tough. is your hardest game left. Yeah, but you know you should be better than the Vikings. It's divisional games. You're gonna have to play them at home at some yep. point, but yeah. And then I think the the and, big one outside and this Detroit defense is starting to get healthy again too. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I, Aiden Hutchinson, love that boy. Hey, he's. I'm giving some love to the Lions. I mean, you know me. You know I've always been a Lions mm. guy because of Dan Campbell. Should have been him. I hate you, Dennis Allen. I hope you never coach in the NFL again. I miss you, Dan Gamble. One more thing in the NFL. <laughs> we saw the Mayo takeover from yeah. Will Levis. Yeah. He looked leaps and bounds better than Tannehill. Mr. <laughs> Mr. White Boy over the here. Mayo takeover. Uh, yeah, my friend Nate thinks he's going to be the next Jesus Christ. So, uh, well, yeah. Jesus was white. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Mayo takeover. For those of you who don't know, that's not because he's white, it's because he puts mayo in his coffee right yes his coffee yes mayo in yeah his coffee. he's nasty yeah he's got a nasty arm though good for will levis Facts. uh everyone hates him so now they're f- completely flipped i've completely flipped <laughs> they but didn't write back you know if i'm malik willis i'm just like damn i gotta get out of here yeah i gotta get yeah, out of here gotta get to the xfl well speaking of changing leagues we're gonna change it over to mr tubby getting traded james harden <laughs> oh, you got tubby. You got tubby. <laughs> james yeah. harden is a los angeles clipper we're gonna bash heads a little bit we're already at an hour i don't care <laughs> we talked about this off screen. Sorry, Katie. He doesn't like it. I like the James Harden move. You're an idiot. Basically, it was Harden for some second rounders, a pick swap, and then the like ninth players on the Clippers bench: Morris, Batum, Covington, uh, a lot of meh. So it's going to be Harden, Westbrook, PJ Tucker got moved as well. Yep. Kawhi, PG, Zubats. They Westbrook. still got Norman Powell. That yeah, Westbrook, Bones Highlands there. Um, it's you know. The forward rotation is a little bit ugly. Trey Mann is there. Uh, Mason Plumley, who highlight real player, Mason Plumley. Uh, I like it. You don't. I want to hear why you don't. I like it. <laughs> One quick thing. This is the end of his career. So, quick love. In order to make space for this, they did have to wave Danny Green. The Sixers. Oh did. no. Hey, R.I.P. to San Antonio yeah, Spurs legend. That's it. That's current call for him. He's doing fun in the NBA and ESPN though. He'll be all right. Um, it doesn't work. Because for several things, for one, James Harden's going to want $45 million this summer. He's on an expiring deal. He did lead the league in assists last year, and I'll give you that. I will completely give you that. And I will admit that when Harden's on, Harden's on. However, I haven't seen James Harden be on since Houston. And you're asking him to now go into a pretty – I mean, it's. I just don't see how it works when Russell Westbrook and James Harden can't survive off the ball. I just don't see how that's going to work out. And then who's to say Kawhi Leonard or Paul George even makes it to the end of the season? Yeah. I couldn't even tell you the last time either one of them made it to the end of a season or didn't miss, you know, a month with injury. Or in the playoffs, you know. There's just no death once you get past their sixth man. And I think that was Phoenix's problem last year, and we kind of saw that Phoenix fixed it, which is why I know I'm giving all love to Phoenix. But it's it's a health thing, and it's the fact that I just don't think aging vets have what it takes anymore. And it's crazy to think that now that Kawhi and PG are aging vets. Yeah. But that's how I'm viewing this we league grew up now. On them. Yeah. I mean, it's expiring deals. It's going to be some of these guys are on their way out. And I quite frankly just don't think this Clippers team is going to have what it takes to go win 20, what is that, 28 games? In the playoffs. You you're, you're potentially playing an extra 40 games, and they don't. I don't think they have the endurance to do it. So here's my, my side of it. Let's hear it. 
no matter what, the regular season isn't going to judge how this trade works because the, the story isn't for Harden. It's never been the regular season. It's the playoffs. Yeah. Also, so, seeds don't matter as much as they used to. No, and yeah. you're not getting the one seed from the Nuggets. And honestly, like you're probably not going to... If you get two, it's really great because you get a playing team. But either way, like three through six in the in the West, who who cares? It's all fair point. game. It's, it's yeah. fair game. Um, and I don't think... Yeah, I don't think they're going to be a one or two seed. Probably not. They could get to two if this team stays healthy. But my thing is that... The Clippers were already, for lack of a better term, screwed. They were in the worst spot long-term of any team in the West. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. No matter what, once Kawhi and PG were over the hump in like a year or two, if they were even healthy, it was going to be full rebuild mode anyway. Yeah. They didn't give up something substantial. They, they basically give up scraps. You didn't lose a first-rounder. You lost a first-rounder. In 2028 is, is the thing. It's like, oh, they could be bad by then. They could be. That's true. I would rather invest in trying to... Make and giving your team a direction right now. Well, yeah, because the thing is, if you don't, then your your project you started three years ago is a complete bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the big things with Harden is that you wanted on these teams that he's failed with with Philly and with uh, the Nets is you needed a big dude in the middle who can play defense. Embiid could do that. Zubats will have to do only one thing, and that's rebound and play defense down low. Yeah. He can do that. He's he's a fine role player for that. I get you. And having perimeter defense to make up for his, it's Kawhi and PG. And Russell Westbrook this year is playing very good defense. Yep. They can take that completely fine. Trey Mann when he's on the court. PJ so Tucker's you're asking him just to be your ball carrier. So he'll, all he needs to be is the passer. We already know he can be a top two passer in the league, top three. He still is no matter what. He still what. is yeah. no matter what. It's You have to ask him, hey, James, you know, you got to check the ego. It's not ISO ball with you anymore. It's it end of the be. game, last it three minutes. Be. This is Kawhi and PG's team. These are the guys who will have the ball. You can get the ball in your hands. You're not taking every last shot. It's it's not your team anymore. And you have to agree that, hey, you're playing with your friends who are also superstars. Let's be buddies with them and like have good team cohesion because he didn't like it in Philly. It was kind of known by the end that he didn't like it in Philly after he got screwed over with his contract. And, you know, it's fine. But you need to prove to people that you can play in that kind of style. But at the end of the day, they have nine players that can play in the playoffs. That's all you need. If one gets injured, eight, you can still manage. If two gets injured, if two of those guys are going to get injured, their season was over anyway. So I'll give you that. My thing is at least you get hardened. Because you you, you, if you're in a blow-up, you're going to go down hard. So it, might as well go yeah, down the side. Exactly. Okay. And you say to yourself, third best player on your team is James Harden. Mm-hmm. You'll take that. Yeah. Let's be real. Third best option, you're struggling with him as your second. But if he isn't the one that has to take the last shots, if he's just there to pass, to play create, to get to the basket, kick out, dude, that's better than Austin Reeves. <laughs> that's well, better than Michael Porter Jr., even though it's a different role. Hey. I love MPJ. <laughs> hey. The, the, the thing is that Jokic is better than anyone else in the Clippers, obviously. Right, right. right. But, and like Malone's, Malone's a bit of an offensive genius. Also, Jamal Murray is just one Jamal of the Murray's best great. ISO shot creators in the You'd rather have Murray than Harden, for sure. Yeah. But how many teams' third best players are better than Harden in the West? I mean, can you. It's not. I'd, I'd say. I'm going to say no, because no, because Clay's their third best you, player. You wouldn't, say, you wouldn't say go Bears. You wouldn't say Clay or Chris Paul. Chris Paul, maybe. I, th- I, think, no, I think Chris Paul and Harden are about Chris, the same I think Chris spot. is superseded Clay. Okay. In the Warriors offense, I do think Chris is superseded Clay. Well, then, then there you go. It's, you know, yeah, I'm not taking Clay, player, I'm not taking Clay over Harden, yeah. Yeah, so it's you're struggling to find a team that's 1-2-3 is better, and you still have Norman Powell who can shoot, Trey Mann who's big and like is very athletic, Russell Westbrook who's a spark plug, hopefully coming off the bench. You got Zubots and Plumlee who can at least play center. It's not like they've constructed a stupid <clears throat> roster and then added a superstar. It's not. They've constructed a team, and they made the move, and I said I wanted them in the Pelicans to make a move, and they did. Okay. That's I'll how I feel that. about it. And the Sixers, they did the right thing. I, I will say, though, this is my hot take. Embiid's going to be on that trade block immediately. Really? I, I think this is block. it for him. In my, in my opinion, I think what it's going to be is they're going to test the waters on who they can find at the trade deadline. If they can't, they're just going to say, we're not winning the championship this year. We're not going to trade anyone that's notable long-term. They're, they're not going to be able to trade Harris anyway. He's stuck there. Maxi and Embiid are there. Everyone else could care less about. Develop your draft picks in the offseason. Make a splash. Hopefully you get a guy that has the Jimmy Butler impact and not the James Harden impact or Tobias Harris impact. I just, you I just don't. got to hope. I just don't. If I'm Philly, I think I think I cut my losses. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, accept yeah. that the process was a failure. Yeah. But um, it's fun. It's uh, NBA is fun this year. NBA is great this year. year. My last note, my last thing is uh, before we go. Um, one, that Spurs defense is way worse than I thought it was going to be. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jordan Poole is awful. <laughs> Jordan Poole 
is going to be interesting to watch this year. Yeah, yeah. The Celtics are me a very fun team to watch. Oh this year. yeah, KP and Drew Holiday <clears throat> are so fun. But I'm going to say something crazy here. If I'm the San Antonio Spurs, I know he was our lottery pick last year. I think it might be time to put Jeremy Sokan on the bench and start Trey Jones as point guard. Yeah. I don't think Jeremy has what it takes to get that playmaking done with Wemby. And I think I need to see a starting five of Trey, Vassell, Keldon, Collins, Wemby. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Sohan is going to be a long-term option for the money he's going to be worth. He's going to command a lot of money in a few years, yeah. Because no matter what they do, these two years is going to be just to figure out what it is and try competing next year. It's really that third year of Wemby's career where you're saying, let's win a championship. It is making it interesting, though, because you see they've locked up Vassell. You mm-hmm. see they've locked up Keldon. And in fact, they locked up Collins, too. Yeah. It tells you all about what the Spurs are thinking. But those two, Keldon and Vassell fit better with Wemby. And that's my problem is that well, Wemby's so going to want So that, is Collins. And Wemby's going to want a Collins type in. They're probably going to get a better version of Collins eventually, put Collins on the bench after. Yeah. But it, they need a pure ball handler because Sohan isn't the number one. He's a great number two. <clears> but... It's and he's not big enough to fit with Wemby. I think he's. It's hurting. It's I think long term he's gonna be one that gets moved and uh, yeah. We give you good for you give us good. We give you a point or we get a point guard from a team that drafted one. I just like I can't ima- imagine if we still had like Poitel had a true five. Mm-hmm. This this team would be so much better. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. It'd be so much better. But if you guys, you got, a, got a first for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was worth it. It was worth it. Listen, future trade idea: Case and Walls from the Thunder oh, for God. Jeremy Sohan. Oh God, we're picking two years of the future. You guys, I'll take Josh Giddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll take uh, Giddy. I'll take Josh Giddy. Giddy would be <laughs> sick for you guys. Well, oh we're getting God. we're getting way too far out. We're talking about Josh. Yeah, this Giddy. is one of our lost longest episodes. Yeah, in a while. yeah, yeah. We've we've been we've been talking. We've been yeah. It's because Rebecca hasn't been here to tell us to shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's because Rebecca's not here to yell at us. So and Brandon has never listened. He doesn't care what yeah, we have Brandon to say. Has no idea what we said. He's yeah. just in one ear out the other. Well, as always, guys. Uh, you know, uh, as we get to close out, once again, a huge shout out to our social media team, Rebecca. Much love, even though you're not here. Brandon, we always love you. Uh, thank you for all you do for us, Brandon. Uh, thank you once again to Populous and the 512 Media team. I think we spoke in our piece today. Yeah, we got a lot of pieces out. And I think by the time you see me next week, I'm going to be just like smacking on my World Series ring. Just, Yours? Yeah. In front of the team? I built that team. Yeah, for show boss. I did. I called the Seeger call. I called the Seeger signing. Um, yeah, great, great week of sports. Great weekend of college football. Great weekend of NFL football coming yes, up too, yeah, guys. Yeah. It's time Tell the girlfriends no. Tell the wives no. Hang out with your boys. It's time to commit 14 hours a day to just watching ball, boy. Sorry, Elizabeth. <laughs> Sorry, Elizabeth. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I'll call you back next week. <laughs> but, guys, that's all we got for you today. As always, thank you to everyone who supports us on The 40. Thank you to our friends and our family. Uh, for this week, this is JC signing off. I've been here, too. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week.